This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan. You're listening to the Langpreneur podcast and I'm really happy that you're here with me, with all the other listeners. Thanks for tuning in. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, yeah, so lots of things have happened actually in the last two weeks. If you've listened to last week's episode, you um, you know, I told you that our bo- our daughter was born. So uh, yeah, over the last few weeks, I haven't slept much, to be honest. I've been changing lots of nappies, but of course... <laughs> Um, we've also been enjoying the beautiful times with our newborn, so all very exciting. And then, of course, Langpreneur Business Breakthrough took place last weekend. We originally planned to do that event in Berlin, but we had to cancel it because of this whole coronavirus crisis. And we had to do it online. And Oli and I were really nervous about it. You know, we didn't know how people were going to react. Uh, you know, couldn't be any good to do this event, to hold this event online. Um, But, you know, if you're a member of our Facebook group, and if you're not a member yet, actually, you should check it out. So just go to Facebook and then look for groups. Uh, We have a group there that's called Langpreneur Events. And, um, you know, once you get accepted into the group, you can actually see the conversations going on. And you can see all the positive reactions from the attendees who uh, well who participated in the, in the online event last week. And they said, you know, many of them, actually all of them said that, it was even better than if we had done the event offline. That was really interesting. So as you can see, every setback comes with an opportunity. People were really happy with the event. It was really powerful. I think another benefit of doing this event or you know, doing this kind of workshop events online is that you don't waste any time. Right, so you say we say we, we start at nine thirty, and at nine thirty everybody is there. Everybody's there behind their screens. Um, you know, if this were a live event, then people would still be walking around, going for a coffee, going to the toilet. Um, during this online event, we also had breakout rooms. So, you know, basically with one with one click, I could p- people send to um, I, I could send all the participants into different breakout rooms if you have to do that at a live event it takes at least like five or ten minutes for everybody to you know to find a table to find their place and then after the breakout sessions everybody has to come back to the room and you know online you can do all these things really really quickly um so it was actually very effective and uh you know it was very good in terms of the planning the program like it was no time wasted um, now, of course, we all know the power of live events, right? And, you know, we here at Langpreneur, we are a big fan of live events. So what we did here with Business Breakthrough is we delivered the information, right? The training, basically. And then later this year, after this whole corona crisis, no, sorry, this coronavirus crisis is over, we're going to do, we're going to host actual a live event for all the participants who were there last weekend with us at the Langpreneur Business Breakthrough, right? So if you're interested, if this sounds uh, like something for you, I'm actually working all the recordings. We're turning this online workshop into uh, into a video course, which um, you can get access to. And on top of that, we also, you know, as a 
quickly mentioned a mastermind event for everybody who enrolls for Langpreneur Business Breakthrough. So if you want to get access to the online course and meet us and the other participants later this year, you know, really, you know, brainstorm, network and learn everything that you need to in order to take your business, your online language business to the next level, then uh, you should go to our website, langpreneur.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter because you will be notified once we open up um uh, once we open up the, uh, the registration, okay, for these for the online course and also for the offline course. So yeah, quarantine. Well, as you can hear, we've been pretty productive here, so that's the good thing about this whole crisis. Um, I guess as you know, as online entrepreneurs, things are you know business is just as usual. Um, yeah, I mean, we have seen a slightly decrease in our sales, language boost, for example, but nothing special. I mean, I have friends who run restaurants and like my neighbor here, for example, he runs a co-working space and that's, those guys, you know, completely out of business, huge disaster. And then there is, of course, the people who have been affected by the virus directly. You know, maybe someone in the family's got sick, people, you know, maybe some family members passed away. That's, of course, much, much were so i hope that you're doing okay um yeah let's talk a bit about um what we're going to do today okay so today's guest on the podcast is lindsay lindsay is the creator of lindsay does languages and you might know her from her youtube channel her blog and she also runs a podcast and what you do is she basically helps language learners to learn better on their own but she also helps teachers to create a sustainable online teaching business and Lindsay is one of those people that you know, that I've seen many times at uh, you know the polyglot conference the polyglot gathering at all these events but I never really had the opportunity to have a real yeah have a real conversation with her so <laughs> I guess that's a good thing about running a podcast right you get the chance to um, you know to have all these interesting conversations with these interesting people and you know I'm obviously going to share all of that with you guys. So in today's episode, you're going to learn how to start a teaching business, which platform you should pick. You know, should you go on YouTube, Instagram, a podcast, TikTok, run a blog? Um, we're going to talk about that. And how to teach languages in a smarter way and grow your business, you know, and stop trading your time for money. That's what we're going to discuss in this interview. I hope you're going to enjoy it. And uh, yeah, here it is. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Um, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with languages as a teacher. Yeah, sure. Um, as a teacher, well, I started, I guess, when I, probably when I was still at school, when I was doing my A-level, was about 16, 17, and we had to do this thing called community service, which sounds very severe. But um, for me, that involved going into a language class once a week with little year sevens, you know, 11 years old, and just sort of walking around and helping them out. And so that was kind of, I guess, my first encounter with all of that. Then I went to Costa Rica after I finished school, and, and I was there for three months teaching English voluntarily um, in a school. That was great, you know, living with a family and all of that. And I thought, oh, this is this is fun. I quite like this. Let's 
let's see where I can take this. So when I came back, I eventually got a job working in a school as a language, well, as a as a teaching assistant for children with um, kind of additional needs. And then I was based primarily at the first school I worked at in the language department, which was amazing because then I was taking small groups out and helping them do more than they would in a normal classroom setting right so that was really cool and while I was working there at that school I then started sort of tutoring after school because it was such a low-paid job and finished at 3 30 so I was like okay how can I you know earn a bit more money with all this extra time I have so I was going out and doing some tutoring and then I started the same job at a second school absolutely hated it and so I thought okay you know what my backup plan has always been if I if I hate this this new school, if I hate this new job, I'll try this tutoring thing full time. So I did. And then 2012 went full time on my own. And 2014, everything then began to shift online. Mm -hmm. What do you like the most about teaching languages? Mm, Good question. So now, now I don't really teach languages. It's when, when I'm like writing on like a visa form or something, I'll always put language teacher or just teacher because it's the easiest way to describe what I do but I don't teach languages directly now I work instead with mostly solo language learners who want to learn better on their own and then also with teachers who want to teach online so there's those two sides to what I do now what I love about it about that is the the freedom that especially being online that all of that gives me and the fact that I'm still working directly with people it's still teaching it's just not directly teaching languages and yeah I think I just love that I'm not uh how can I say this I'm not like restricted by a curriculum like I would have been if I'd gone down a more standard traditional teaching route you know working in a school etc etc like oh we've got exams go 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 I don't have that restriction so I'm more in charge of, of the direction that we take things in. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, cool. You're on the Langpreneur podcast. We talk, well, we talk about languages, but we also talk about business. So you actually help teachers um, to get to go online, to um, start working as an online teacher. So what are, few of, what are some of the steps that someone would have to take if he or she wants to go online? Like, do you just go to italki verbling these kind of websites or like yeah what kind of advice would you give to those people here who are interested in that teaching online? yeah yeah i think that sites like that are such a great start it's so easy to dip your toe in the water and to give it a go um you know with stuff like you say like italki like verbling but then i think there comes a point where you're trading too much of your time for too little payback if that makes sense because you know their businesses as well at the end of the day they have to take a cut that's how they make their money but then that means that you're losing some of what you should be earning based on the time that you're giving to those students right so I think there comes a point where you could be doing great through platforms but then you think you know what I could be doing even better if I was doing this on my own and I know that's that's what happened with me. I know that many, many, many of the teachers that I've worked with over the years, that's exactly what's happened with them as well. Um, so I think it's it's definitely worth, if you can, signing up to something like that so you can try it and see if it's for you and give it a go and then think, okay, how can I branch out and do this on my own? And that's where you do need to think about then creating a website and creating some form of 
like presence online to just showcase what you can do and how you teach and how you can help people and to connect you with those potential students. Yeah. So what were the things that you actually did in order to uh, build a following around you rather than on the platform? Like you, 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 sure, you briefly mentioned building a website. I know that you have quite a big YouTube channel as well. Um, yeah. How, how, how did you, how do you do it? How do you build your own traffic of, or create your own traffic sources basically? So I had my website from when I was offline and I never did anything with it. Right. <laughs> I just thought it's 2012. I think I need a website to have a business. <laughs> so I had one and it just sort of existed. And then when I started to think about, right, I need to find students online. This is a thing. Let's see how we can make this work. I thought, well, you know what, if I'm now going to be teaching online, I'm not just focused on finding people where I live. So previously, you know, my marketing had been me walking around estates in the rain, distributing leaflets door to door. It had been driving to students' houses going, where's the nearest notice board where I can pin a sign, <laughs> you know? And then I thought, okay, well, I need to do those things. But for basically the world because it could be anyone that I could reach not just the people where I physically am so I thought okay well I've got this website and I have the ability to blog on this website that's already there it's already built in let's try that let's write about language learning let's write about this process let's share that with people to help you know if people are searching then they'll find it then they'll come to my website they'll see I teach you know it's a logical process and then actually in terms of, you mentioned YouTube, in terms of video, it was italki. Um, when I signed up for to teach on there, they required you to have an introduction video. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's make this really fun. I looked around at a few. They were kind of, you know, people talking into a webcam saying, hi, my name is blah, blah, and I teach blah, blah. It's like, that's cool. That's fine. But my husband, his whole job, like for years was video production and teaching kids how to get really creative with with video and animation. So I was like, I have the the tools and the knowledge over here in this person right next to me to be able to help me to make a much more fun video. So I said to him, you know, I want to I want it to look like this. And he was like, oh, we can do this and we can have green screen and these little graphics. I was like, OK, cool. Let's let's do that. And I thought it was going to be a one time thing. I thought it was just going to be that one video that I would need to make. And as he was editing it, he was said to me, you know what? Actually, you're really good on camera. You should do YouTube. I thought, no, I can't do YouTube. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's crazy. And and I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. What harm can it do, really, to have just a couple of videos up? So I thought, right, where do I begin? Let's start with what is language. So that was my first video. Then I thought, okay, that's worked. What what next? Maybe people want to know why they should learn a language. Okay, nine reasons to learn a language. People love that. I got really lucky really, really early. It could take years to build up, you know, an online presence in any form. I got really lucky by like that second video. People are like, oh, this is great. There's nine reasons. So then I was like, okay, we could take this down separate channels. Let's do nine reasons to learn French, nine reasons to learn Spanish, right? People love that. So I just kind of kept evolving from there and just taking it one step at a time. And um, and yeah, it, it, it just really took off a lot quicker than I would have expected. And so gradually then I began to add in other things, you know, various social media platforms and getting more serious about and, and kind of tactical sounds like almost like a dirty word, but more strategic would be a better word, I think, you know, with, with what I was sharing and how I was sharing it. Um, and yeah, it's all kind of evolved and, and snowballed from there. But in the beginning, it was literally, okay, 
let's let's blog because I already have a website the means are already there for this oh you think I'm going to video okay let's give that a go as well let's let's see what we can do here so it was just trial and error and seeing what what worked and I think that that's something you can still do even now when there's more people out there you still want to feel what am I good at play to your strengths you know don't feel okay I need to have a podcast and a YouTube channel and a blog and all of the social medias and no 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 concentrate focus in on one thing that you know you can do really well do that really well and you can add to that as you go along yeah so sometimes you know when you just start out it's hard to to know what you're good at right so it's really a process of trial and error here and see that works for you i mean you are good at youtube people can just go to youtube right now and search search for lindsay those languages and they will see you there and they see that you're good on camera but I guess everyone has its own qualities, right? So what would you say here? It's You should look for a platform that fits you, do something that you are passionate about. Or how can people figure out what they're good at? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, if you've ever done, like when I was at school, for me, it was languages that I did all the way through to the end and drama was the other thing that stuck with me all that, all that way. And so maybe that's why video does feel quite natural to me because I have this kind of dramatic flair in me. Um, So it lets me use all of that knowledge and experience there. But I think also I do love writing. I do love writing blogs and, you know, them going on to write like books and whatnot. Um, But yeah, like podcasts even. I think what's what's great is that you have this this choice nowadays. It's not just a case of this is the only way you will ever be able to connect with someone. No, if you express yourself better with words where you can think about what you're saying and and take a chance to go back and rewrite a sentence, or if you express yourself better naturally on live video even, not just like edited video like YouTube, you know, there's you could do that. Yeah, live stream on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, right? All the places. Um And then equally, audio, I think any chance that you can find that gives you some kind of, that shows people a bit more about you, right? And I think that's where blogs perhaps fall down. The advantage, obviously, of blogs is that people are there directly on your website. But you can still use other forms like podcasts, like video, like social media to to guide people towards your website and say, you should go to my website now because X, Y, Z, I have a free thing for you to download or there's a blog that accompanies this video, whatever it is. Um, if that's the way that you you feel you know best, then then go with that. In terms of finding it though in the first place, I think it is just a case of giving things a go. What feels comfortable and then what feels like just enough of a stretch to be like, oh yeah, this is giving me a bit of a buzz inside. I know that I'm good at this. Let's Let's do this. Let's, I want more of this. Great. Yeah, I think that's the first big lesson for all the all the listeners, um, because it's really important that if you want to build traction from the beginning, that you focus on one platform. And there are so many choices these days. There is Instagram. There is, of course, there is Facebook. You can do live stream streaming. You can do a podcast. But it's really about finding that medium that you're the most exciting about, that you enjoy doing the most, that you're best at, and that maybe also comes easily. For example, we are doing the podcast now, and the reason we're doing the podcast is not because a podcast is the best medium to bring across these messages. It's just it's just one of the mediums that we can choose. But it comes easily. It comes easy to me. I really uh, I really enjoy talking to people, doing these kind of interviews. So that's why with Langpreneur we decided to go for a podcast. Now Lindsay is very good in front of the camera, so she 
um, she's more active on YouTube. And maybe you're more, maybe you're a good blogger or you really like Instagram. It's really about finding a platform that works for you and start with one. Um, can we talk a little bit about um, re, I think, how do you call it? I think reusing or repurposing content. Is that also something that you do? So for example, create a blog post first and then create a YouTube video based on that content from that blog post or the other way around? Mm, I probably don't do it as much as I could or should, quote unquote, I guess. Um, what I do like to do when it when it fits is I like to have a blog and a video that go together. So, for example, let's say with the nine reasons I like in recent years, I try and add a blog post to that to go with that. So, you know, the video is why to learn. And then on the blog post, I like to list some resources to get you started and a free starter page to get you started with that as well. So it's all connected. It's like one piece of content, but made up of multiple parts, right? I like to do that when I can, but it doesn't always work, you know, because it's a lot of work to make one blog post. It's a lot of work to make one video. So it doesn't always tie in. And sometimes it would feel like it would be a bit of a stretch to do so. So I don't do it all the time. But I do also like, like, um, we were talking, uh, I think it was just before we we hit record about language stories. And with that, where we traveled across Latin America, Southeast Asia, and series three will be in the UK. And that is a short series of um, language documentaries. Now that is video and podcast. Now what I love about this, my husband, we, we have the same content, right? We go out, we do the same interviews, and then we make our separate things. So he edits the videos, I make the podcasts, and then we'll come together. Oh, can you give this video a watch and see what you think? Can you listen to this podcast first draft and see what you think? And the direction that we go sometimes is so different. Even though we start with the same interviews, you know, the same sort of source material. And I, I love that. So I love with language stories, having been able to explore through different formats, how, how you know, and kind of then give a fuller picture of, of the whole thing. So it's not so much that I repurpose things a lot but I maybe give more work for myself <laughs> through through kind of using different mediums to to get this the the fuller story across yeah I also really understand the the, the concept of building an ecosystem around your whole business where like all platforms are like feeding each other I had a, an interview with mm -hmm. Gabriel like a while ago Gabriel from um, from Sprachelt, a German website and he's yeah. uh, he's a SEO expert actually and he also talked about you know um like that sometimes it can be a good idea like if you have a very popular blog post for example which gets a lot which gets a lot of traffic that you can like embed or do a video on the same topic and then embed a video in that blog post so that people can stay longer on the blog post you, google sees that and it's going to rank you even higher on, mm. on, on on google so yeah there are many ways i guess to cross promote um yeah, the platforms that you have. Let's try to break this down for all the language teachers. Where should they start? Because when you start a blog or a website, a YouTube channel, it's going to take some time to get traction, right? You're not directly going to get new students. Will you say that, like for someone who really wants to start now, <laughs> that the best thing to do is to go to uh, to a platform where where there's already students looking for teachers like italki and, and verbling and like how much can you charge on these websites because i know that is very competitive um is mm. it realistic to make a full-time living of these websites or do you really need to build your own model 
I think there are some people that are doing really well through that. Um, I think if you were to start now, you'd realistically probably be charging a lot less than you're worth and perhaps even a lot less than minimum wage in your country, especially if you're in a country with a with a high economy. Um, and that's a shame. And I, I kind of wish it wasn't the way it is. Um, but I think that it can be beneficial, especially if you're starting with very little experience, to use those platforms as a way to gain those first students, to get that experience, to increase your confidence with it all. At the same time, you can then be building something, building your own space, right? Starting your own podcast or writing your own blogs or making your own videos that is then attracting an audience of potential students. And then you can begin to sort of transition so in terms of, of uh, making like a full time living, I think one of the things that's really key is that whether you do that on a on a platform or whether you do that via your own site, I think it's really important that you have multiple ways that people can learn with you. You know, if you're just offering one on one lessons 24 seven. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe you'll make a fortune, but you're going to be absolutely exhausted. And that's not why you're doing this. That's not why you started your own business to be more overworked than in the job that you probably hated before. Right. So I think that it's important to understand that, OK, how can I offer different things so that people can learn with me in different ways? I can most you know, make the most of my time. So things like group lessons, for example, one of the easiest ways to, you know, get started making more money for less time, if, if you want to put it like that. I think also um, digital products and online courses and just being really practical and thinking, right, how can I help people in the most effective way, um, you know, and help the most people as well, not, you know, because in a one-on-one, that that's one person for that one hour that you're able to to teach and support, which is great. Some people do need that one-on-one. I love one-on-one lessons as well as as a learner. But there's other times when I don't want one-on-one lessons. What I want is a course. What I want is a group lesson setting, you know? So it's about thinking of ways that you can best, again, play into your own skills and your own kind of experience and expertise about how what you can offer that's that's going to suit people best and having a variety not everything you don't need like you know 17 ebooks and eight courses and you know you don't need like oh complete overwhelm of the whole thing you know eventually maybe that's that's where you'll be leading but you don't have to start that way so start small and think about gradually increasing the options for people yeah so let's talk a little bit more about pricing because you know if, when you're on these platforms you I guess you have like competitors or other teachers out there on these platforms that charge like five or ten dollars. So it's really hard to charge like twenty dollars there. I know a few per hour. I know a few people who are doing that. But as you said, they also have like a, a big YouTube channel where people come from. Um, like f- how much can you charge for uh, per hour, for example, if you have your own website with your own following? Because you are more exclusive. People have been following you a while. Um, they were willing to pay you more. Um, and I think that maybe we can use this as an example to how important it is to build your own uh, platform. Yeah, I think you can definitely charge more. To put an exact figure on it, I feel would be wrong of me because it's going to be so variable based on your own experience, your own confidence with that pricing, you know, where you live and and what your expenses are going to be like there as well, taking into consideration who you want to teach. 
and where they live and what the cost of living is there. There's a lot of variables. But I think I do have actually um, a worksheet on my website. I can give you the link for show notes for people that want to try and work out. Like, Because I think what is important with pricing is that you calculate a fair price both for the student and for you. So you're not just thinking, oh, yeah, but that price sounds a bit high. Oh, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Okay, well, let's just charge $5, right? Because, yeah, that's really fair for a student, but that is not fair for you. So it's about finding that balance where it's comfortable, where you are going to be earning enough based on the amount of hours that you can or want to be teaching. Um, Yeah, it's really hard to put an exact number on it, but basically it will be more (laughs) than if you're on a platform. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So one way to earn more is by raising your prizes and you can do that by building your own following. But another way to earn more within the same amount of time is to actually um, well, for example, do group sessions, as you just uh, mentioned. Mm. How can you organize group lessons? Because your students might be in all different time zones. Um, is there like software for this or tools that you can use to, to schedule these lessons? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. There's loads of options in terms of scheduling. Um, things like Acuity Scheduling, Calendly, things like that. I mean, what I do a lot for, because I, I don't teach group lessons as such, but I have a lot of group calls and group sessions with um, with some of my courses and memberships. And the way that we do this is once you're in membership, we set the call time, we, we list it, both in the main course site and in the in the community and we send an email with all of that we have even we've just started um, um i work with uh, shannon kennedy and kirsten cable on language league which is a membership for language learners and kirsten has spent ages and she's done a wonderful job making a google calendar that integrates so people can just add that google calendar to their own like calendar system right um and it tells them all the meetings there and then so we set the dates and if people can come they can come and then you know the thing is as well not everyone is going to be able to make every date even if they're in the same time zone so you i think you have to be honest from the beginning and say this is you know if you're doing group lessons let's say you want to say okay this is the time they're going to happen let's say every wednesday at 5 p.m uk time you list what that is going to be around the world. People then know before they sign up for the class, okay, am I going to be able to make this on a regular basis or am I going to be unable to make this? If people can't make it, I think what's really helpful is if you can offer replays as well because, you know, there will be times maybe when people are, I don't know, running late from work or whatever, they can't come. Um, but, yeah, I think I think in terms of scheduling, that's you can kind of schedule we with again we do it slightly differently for teach and thrive which is the teacher membership where we use a doodle poll once a month just to check with check in with people we say okay when can you all do and then whatever's the most common time that's when we have the the call so we always say it's on the um the second thursday of the month and then we just set the time at the end of the last meeting and then that's it so everyone gets a little say into when they can uh, when they can join. So there's a few options to to choose from. Yeah, you speak a lot of languages yourself, and you also create uh, create content for lots of languages. We can all see that on your YouTube channel. Um, what would you recommend beginners to do to just start out with only one language, or or just to create ten courses for ten different languages? Or how do you do that? Do you focus on just one or two languages for your courses? So right now, I don't have any courses specifically for a language. So so I have um, Successful Self-Study, 
is like my main course for learners. And that is focused on how to learn better as a solo language learner, regardless of what language you're learning. So there are things in there, like in, you know, especially in the final unit, there's things that get a bit more specific, like, you know, learning lesser studied languages and finding resources for that, learning a language with a different script, right? Things like this. But the whole aim of that course is that it's suitable for learners of any language and learners of any number of languages as well, right? Whether you're learning your first foreign language or your 17th. Um, so, yeah. But I think in the future, I would like to look a little bit more specifically at, at specific languages for specific courses or products. Um, in terms of what languages, I think I'd have to start with based on two key key elements, I guess. The first would be the languages that I feel most confident in. And the second would be the languages that my existing audience already have told me that they're interested in and that they're learning. Um so I think Spanish is is probably the biggest on that front. Weirdly, Korean. <laughs> when, I, when I, yeah, and I'm not very good at Korean. But when I first started learning, I wrote a lot of blogs about it. That was really helping me to kind of get connected with the language, and they became quite popular. So a lot of people on my email list, for example, are learning Korean. Um, so that's interesting. But I'm not as strong in it. So I'd have to decide based on those two factors about what I felt strong enough to to teach and to share yeah. and what I knew there was a demand for. Yeah. So I think one tip or one idea here that you can take away if you are a Langpreneur and you have a brand around um, around yourself as a polyglot, if you speak many languages, if, if you have an audience uh, of people that, it, that is interested in multiple languages, is instead of creating 10 different courses for 10 different languages which is a lot of work and I know it because we've done it at language group. right you can of course also um, create a course uh, where you help people on how to learn any language right just like Lindsay is um, just like Ling uh, Lindsay does um, yeah and I think yeah. I think as long as you've got a, a specific angle that you're going with that right mm. that you know why is why is your course special so for me it's the it's the solo learners how to learn mm. right that's that's the angle that i'm coming from and that's my experience that it's based upon and, and all of that so yeah thinking about what your experience and your knowledge is and how you can best share that with widest audience of people yeah so we always not say too wide right you, you can't, yeah not too wide you can't please everyone <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what we are talking about of what we have been talking about a lot here on the podcast um, for beginners who want to get started. That is very important to choose a niche in the beginning. So really mm. to focus on one specific target group. But once you've done that and for you, it's people who are interested in, um, well, in, in, in multiple languages or who want to learn all kinds of languages, you can also make yourself more special or stand out from the crowd by having like a certain method or a certain, I don't know, a certain design, a, a different style. I think what people can see from you, for example, is that you are very unique in, in everything that you do. Is that something that you're conscious about? Is that something you're aware of that you're trying to emphasize in your brand? Or how could people uh, create something similar? I guess uh. I try not to be generic. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not like going, I'm going to be unique, you know, but I, I, I think I look at it from the other angle of trying not to be just bland, you know, and then it kind of comes out as being a reflection of, of me, um, more so than just like 
black Times New Roman on a on a white background. Like, of course, this is the course, you know. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So for the language teacher who want to who want to start out, let's try to break it down. So it would probably be a good idea to start on the websites like I talk you verbling, get started there, find a few students, get maybe get testimonials, um, get some experience. And then work on your own platform on the side, right? So, for example, which could be a YouTube mm. channel or a blog. Any more tips for people who want to start their own platform or who want to teach online? Any tips on how they can optimize the time? Yeah. In the beginning, it's going to be really exciting and you're going to feel like you want to do all the things. And we've already said about focusing on one thing. I think it's also important to focus on an amount that you can do sustainably in the long run, right? So rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to publish a blog post every single day, and then two weeks later just fizzling out and then never publishing again for like three months, think, okay, I'm not realistically going to be able to publish every day. How often can I do this to do it well and to give it the the time and space that it deserves, that each post would deserve, you know, and think about it that way. So think about, going for the long haul you know you're not doing this just as like a kind of flash in the pan think about okay if i really want to do this how can i make this more sustainable mm -hmm. how do you learn all these things like how do you learn to build your own brand is it really by trial and error or do you like how, you... how did i yeah how did <laughs> how I learn? How did you? have you taken um... courses or have you got someone <laughs> your surroundings who, who, who thought you all these things or just by I very much I very much taught myself I mean I was really lucky in the start in the sense that I was young you know I was still living like at home and so I didn't have masses of responsibility in that sense you know I didn't have like bills or or, or children or anyone kind of relying on me it was just me and so that was I was very lucky in that sense in the beginning right um And I think that probably allowed me more time to to really think things through and to figure things out as I went along. I think as well, another benefit of, of like I just mentioned, that idea of taking things a little more sustainably rather than like, go, 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 go. It's it allows you to learn things at a reasonable pace rather than feeling like just complete overwhelm instantly. So, for example, I started when I first started, you know, I was doing everything and I was teaching myself how to do all of these things, like how to understand the finances of, of running a business, how to understand how to create a website, how to understand editing a video, all of this stuff. And then gradually I've been able to filter that out. So, you know, I have an accountant now. My husband does the video. If I, if I say, oh, I'll just edit that video. He's like, nah, no, you won't. I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know see I'm very lucky in that sense that he'll he'll help with that stuff um and like I've worked with um, a virtual assistant from time to time to help with the other things like if I'm like when, for example when we were doing language stories and we were in Cuba and I knew we, for three weeks we basically weren't going to have internet so I said okay could you help by answering emails for me so I don't come back to just like this monster wave of email after three weeks. So, you know, I've, I've learned very gradually to be able to, okay, what can I let go? Now I understand it. And I like being able to understand it before I'm letting it go and giving it to someone else. I, I like that learning process. So really I have just taught myself, um, you know, and, and it's 
it's taken a long time <laughs> and that's that's why like like my main course for teachers is the online teaching starter kit that's why I made that because I thought this is taking me so long I, I want to help people to do this quicker um but with the right kind of guidance and support to do that so yeah that's really where where that came from mm-hmm. what does the business model of a successful language teacher look like um they can, of course, sell one-on-one lessons. Uh, we also talked about group lessons. Do you have any other examples or things or packages or programs that you can sell, like maybe a challenge or digital courses or what does like a, what would like a good sustainable um, yeah. product look like? I think even if we go back a step and, and break down the one-on-one and the group lessons, I think that you can you can think very smartly about how you do that, right? So you can say, okay, I'm going to offer one-on-one lessons, but in packages, for example. So I'm not just going to do like, I've, I've done this, right? I've been there, I've made all these mistakes. So, you know, if you just do a pay-as-you-go and then you charge students at the end of the month, what's going to happen eventually, you know, especially when you're offline, you have much more connection and much more trust with your students. As soon as I went online, one of the first online students I had, I sent them the invoice at the end of the month, they didn't pay right? And they disappeared on me. Okay. Obviously that happened, you know, you learn the hard way. So, so I've learned, okay, so that isn't going to work in an online setting. So what is, well, obviously it's charging beforehand. Then people have more skin in the game, right? They're more likely to show up. So you could do that in terms of saying, right, pay for a package of three, six, 12 lessons, or you say pay for six months worth of lessons. And that entitles you to four lessons a month or you have people maybe on like a monthly kind of subscription basis like a rolling subscription where they pay you a certain amount per month for an agreed amount of of lessons um and that could be a way to then do that in a much smarter way same with group lessons right thinking about how you would manage that in terms of other other products other services and ideas um yeah digital products and there's just a huge scope of what you could do here so things like ebooks things like um, online courses things like your resources you could bundle and sell your resources that you use within lessons either with the idea of them being for teachers to use or with the idea of them being for students to use independently So it's another way that students can be working with you or it's something that's a different side of things that that teachers can be getting from you as well. Um, You could have maybe a subscription or a membership. So I work with quite a few people actually on on the online teaching starter kit who have started their own memberships. Mm. What Um, do they get in in, in those memberships? What do they get? I mean, it depends on on the different different types. I can give you an example of mine. So I have two memberships that I co-host. Um, I have one for teachers, Teach and Thrive, one for learners, Language League. Teach and Thrive, I co-host with um, Kirsten Cable from Fluent Language. And with that, we have a monthly live training session that's like typically about an hour and a half long, if you include the question time at the end. Um you get a workbook, a really, really thorough workbook with that as well. And um, and we've just introduced this year co-working hours. So once a month, we also have a session that's an hour long and we join at the start of the call. We say, right, what do you want to get done this hour? Okay, I want to do this. Oh, my goal is to do this, right? Turn off the camera, turn off the microphone. I set a timer for 25 minutes. We do it for Pomodoro, right? Five minutes, we have a break. We come back for another 25 minutes. So we have like a virtual co-working session that, that's once a month we've just added. Um, and then we have like a Trello 
board that's like the community we didn't want a facebook group for that so um so we used that instead just to schedule everything out um i think that's everything in teach and thrive and then language league you get a monthly there's like a monthly topic so you get a monthly video lesson um not like a live training like with teach and thrive it's a bit different it's like a pre-recorded video lesson and a workbook with that and a mini challenge and then we have a live q a at the end of the month every week in between like the q a so three times a month we have what we call a speakeasy session so this is like language practice so we jump on the call together say right what language do you want to practice today spanish what about you german okay what about you spanish okay i'm going to put you two people doing spanish in a separate breakout room on zoom and i'm going to stay here and we're going to practice german together that's a lot of fun we do that and then we also have the um the book club or <laughs> we call it not always a book book club so sometimes it might be like you know a netflix show or a podcast episode that kind of thing um so yeah there's there's that's what's in language league and then that's what's in teach and thrive but you can really decide you know what can I offer? Where can I give value? I think a lot of that value, it's it's coming from things that people can't necessarily get for three. So elements like community are really good for that as well. Um, and I know people that do like uh, a weekly thing where they share like topic stuff every week. I know people that do um, like, I can't remember what they call it, but they they share things via WhatsApp every day. They have like a WhatsApp kind of a couple of sentences that they share with their students in that in that sense as well and they run that as a membership so yeah you can be really creative yeah again about playing to your strengths here right mm -hmm. whoa well thank you Lindsay. yeah thank you for sharing all these ideas so yeah langpreneurs <laughs> if you're not sure what to offer um, as you can hear there are many options digital courses ebooks whatsapp groups resources uh, study books memberships a book club um, what else? Well, lots of lots of ideas here. So hopefully, um, yeah, you listener going to be inspired and maybe you're going to do of these things yourself. Just two important things here. Number one, if you're going to do one-on-one lessons, sell packages and make sure that you get paid up front. And um, yeah, as for the um, as for the course creation thing, uh, there's many options where should people start i mean like i guess doing these one-on-one -on -one by doing these one-on-one -on -one lessons you get a really good idea of who your students are and what they want um would that be a good starting point to actually um maybe survey or really find out what your audience wants and then create a second product based on those needs yeah i think there's with in terms of like course creation and product creation, I feel like there's three things to consider. The first is just that. So your students, what they want, and what they need, what they're asking you all about. What are people emailing you saying, oh, can you help me with this? Or how do I do this thing? Right. What are those recurring topics that are coming up on that front? Number two is what you're good at. What what do you really like? excel at teaching you know um and what, what are you good at, at teaching and at sharing and then the other thing is like what you already like have the knowledge that you have and what you can bring to the table so thinking about those three and if you can find something that just touches on all of them you've got the sweet spot you've got the right topic for your course for your product for your ebook whatever it is yeah, well, I think that's great advice because some listeners that might be overwhelmed by all, by all the options. But I think, as you said, the key is to really look at what resources do you already have? What are you good at? What do you like? And very importantly, um, what do your students want? Right. So, yeah, thanks for mm -hmm. summarizing that. Um, Lindsay, if people want to learn more about you and about your methods or 
how you help teachers to become successful online teachers, then where can they go? Uh, yeah, best place is lindsaydoeslanguages.com. That's Lindsay spelt the awkward way. So it's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. And then at the top of the page, you'll see learn, teach and language stories as well, which we talked about a little bit. So there's those three kind of main options at the top of the main page. Great. Lindsay, thank you very much. Thank you. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.